Hi guys. Welcome back. Welcome back to Kawaii Cast. Why did I you don't know say why I did it like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just goes to show we don't prep before any episode. <laughs> nope. At least Tyler doesn't. Prep? What's that? So, did you have any anime news that we wanted to talk about before we get started? Uh, you know, I haven't seen anything lately. Yeah. That's, that's come up. At least nothing that's really noteworthy. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have things that are interesting to me, but I don't know if they're interesting to other people. So. I mean, there's there's been, like, announcements for, like, anime that are coming out next season. But, but we'll be talking about those there's when they been come like, out next season. There's been, like, like, date announcements, like, oh, this is coming out on the Yeah, 6th, we've but... gotten a lot of official dates, which is fantastic. But other than that, nothing on my side. Yeah, uh, the only thing I could think of is that uh, Token Rambu released a new line of shoes based off four of their characters. Uh, okay, but when are we getting our movie? I know, right? Uh, okay, also, if anybody loves me, they'll buy me the Kunihiro shoes. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> They're really cute. I like them. <laughs> Dweeb. Either the Kunihiro. They got two Kunihiro shoes. They've got Yamabagiri and Horikawa, and I like them both. So. Okay. I'm not picky. I'm just saying, you guys better love me. Someone has to, I guess. I know, because I don't love myself, so. And I'm kn- too poor. Do you know what would make me love myself? Wearing really cute shoes. I guess. I can't <laughs> argue with it. <laughs> really cute shoes based off of Japanese anime boys. but Yeah, with that, I think we could go ahead and move on to the episode. Clearly, you just need to be an anime boy. I know, right? If I die unexpectedly, somebody please turn me into an anime boy. Like, just base an anime boy character off of me. Oh, okay. So then I will have truly isekai'd into... In, I, into the anime yeah, world. Yeah, I was going to finish the sentence. I'm like, that might be the weebiest thing <laughs> just might be. Yeah, that was... That, I had to stop for a second. <laughs> like, You're going to interrupt your isekai-atus I know. to get isekai'd. That was... That was a moment. So. <laughs> Not a good moment. Uh, it, but a moment. It was a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about this week? Uh, that's a good question. What are we talking about this week? So I thought, since we only have a few more episodes left this year, let's talk about something that we've been kind of underlying talk about since the beginning of the year. Like, it seems like we bring this up pretty regularly. And it's been happening since January. Yes. So let's talk about the current state of Shonen Jump. Uh, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, like... Like, like you said, it's it's been coming up at least once every season. So I'm not a huge expert on the actual manga publication of Shonen Jump other than whatever's available here in the west so i think to start off with let's talk a little bit about what shonen jump's history in the west has been uh i believe shonen jump history was dragon ball naruto mm-hmm. bleach one piece mm-hmm. and now my hero yeah, uh, <laughs> you kind of went a weird order with that, but I, yeah. I did. <laughs> uh, so Shonen Jump first released here in America, not as the weekly Shonen Jump like it was in Japan, but it was actually issued as the monthly Shonen Jump uh, with one of its first volumes starting with Yu-Gi-Oh! 
Naruto, One Piece, DBZ, and Yu Yu Hakusho. And I believe Roroni Kenshin was originally in the monthly Shonen Jump as well. I think so. Yeah. I know that Roroni Kenshin is a Shonen Jump title. Yeah, it's absolutely a Shonen Jump title. And we only got one book a month, unlike Japan, which, as I mentioned, got it every single week. So what it meant is that we got less titles in the book, but it meant we had, like, two or three chapters of each title per month. Yeah. And the ones that were doing really well would get full color page spreads and would get an extra chapter or two. So it kind of kept us up to date with Japan's run of the series, but we were behind by, like, a month. Yeah, because translation and all that. And other... they also had to make sure that the Western version wasn't getting too far ahead of itself. So things like DBZ and Yu Yu Hakusho had already been well ahead of its time. Like, hell, the anime for Yu Yu Hakusho was almost finished by that point, And we were just getting the very first chapters of the manga out. Uh, the Monthly Shonen Jump also introduced the West to what is now referred to famously as Yu-Gi-Oh! Season Zero. Ah, uh, yes. Season Zero. <laughs> yeah, where... Did you say Susan Zero? Season Zero. <laughs> it just sounded weird because I... Susan Zero. <laughs> because I do not have the brain-to-mouth coordination... To function properly. So it introduced the West to the what is now famously known as Susan Zero. Susan of- Zero. <laughs> Step aside, Karen. I am Susan Zero. Which was a weird take for us Westerners because up to that point, the only form of Yu-Gi-Oh that we really knew was the four kids version where Yugi came off as a typical kid and all of the evil in the series was supernatural but season... And instead of, like, death and all that, it was... The Shadow Realm. I'm gonna realm. send you to the Shadow Realm. Which is like anime timeout. Yeah, uh, basically. <laughs> it really was in it's Yu-Gi-Oh. Time out, it's timeout for the soul. It really was in Yu-Gi-Oh! Because, what, Bakura got sent to the Shadow Realm, what, 12 times in the series? Yeah. God. Yeah. Every time he'd just Who come back. Who didn't get sent to the Shadow Realm at some point <laughs> in the series? Uh, the Shadow Realm was actually purgatory in the manga. So, not quite a uh, timeout for the soul. but <laughs> <laughs> It was like a permanent timeout for the soul. Yeah. <laughs> so, death. Uh, but what was more interesting about the series was the fact that uh, Yugi actually went around playing the whole I'm just a typical innocent kid because of his height. And really use that to his advantage to look up Anzu's skirt when she played basketball. Yeah. I remember that being on, like, the very first page of the manga. And I was like, Yugi, what the hell? You're supposed to be a good boy. Right. Uh, uh, not to was... mention that his alternate form, uh, Yami. Yami, would straight up murder people. Yeah, it got <laughs> really dark. Like, I think there was one, I don't know about the manga, but, like, the episode. There was an episode where Yugi's just sitting there in, like, McDonald's, sorry, Whackdonald's, <laughs> just, like, eating, and, like, robbers come in, and they're like, and, and Yugi's like, oh, well, I'll challenge, I'm gonna challenge you to a game, and whoever wins loses their life. Yeah. You know, and it's like... He was such a prick about the games, too. Uh, There was one where it was just a dice game. Like, whoever rolled higher 
like, won. That was the whole premise of the game. Yeah. And so the guy, like, he's facing, he rolls all three dice and he gets, like, three sixes. And he's like, ha, there's nothing that could beat three sixes. Literally, you, there's nothing you can do. Even if we roll the same, you lose. Because that was, like, the gr- agreement is that you, he had to roll higher. So the way he does it is that he rolls them and then he breaks the dice... So they all, instead of having, like, the one side up, they both had two sides up. So he ended up rolling, like, three sixes and, like, three ones or some shit like that. And it's like, that shit's not gonna fly. But then the demons of the fucking Shadow Realm are like, hey, technically he rolled higher. All they're, right. They're, they're just like, yep, seems legit. Yeah, we're going to murder you now. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a goddamn psychopath. He's a cheating psychopath at that. For I think reals. it was even established in, like, the whole heart of the cards thing. Was actually him using his powers to just put the best cards on top. Yeah, that was that was the heart of the cards. Is he just he was somehow able to manipulate his deck into having exactly what he needed at the top. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh was kind of bullshit. <laughs> it was a great series. Uh, I, I still liked it. Yeah, I liked Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, Shonen Jump introduced us to the real Yu-Gi-Oh, which was good because that was around the time we were like. 13, 14 years old, and we really needed, like, the extra angst in our life. So. It's true. Like, that was right when the depression started setting in. So, children murdering each other was right up our alley at the time. Perfect. (laughs) Every teenager should have a favorite series of children murdering each other. Yeah, they got lots now, and that's thanks to Shonen Jump. (laughs) So, Shonen Jump was kind of a unique thing here in the West, and really... Its goal here in the West wasn't so much for us to be able to have regular content of these manga, but more is just kind of giving us a taste of what these manga were, so we would go out and buy the full Go novels. buy the actual novel. Yeah, so it's like, whatever one's your favorite, go buy extras of that. But the Western version also introduced the idea of the polls, which established what is now famous in Shonen Jump as the top, or the big five or top five. Yeah. And this is what Shonen Jump is really well known for. And this is based both off of sales and off of these uh, personal poll questionnaires where they ask people which manga in Shonen Jump are you reading? Rank them from your most interested to least interested. And it's no question which one has remained on top based off sales and popular votes over the years. Nothing has quite beat One Piece. Nope. That's because it's the One Piece. (laughs) So One Piece started way back when Westerners first got it. And I remember it kind of had the same reaction that it does for a lot of people now, where the art style was a bit of a turnoff. People weren't really sure how to feel about it. (laughs) Sorry. Cat's attacking my coat. (laughs) He's a brat. He's being a brat, yeah. I remember first reading One Piece way back then and thinking it was absolutely incredible. I remember I had, like, the first, like, eight volumes of, like, the Western Shonen Jump. And I hadn't read One Piece up to that point. And I was like, oh, no, I'm super into this Naruto. And I was reading Yu-Gi-Oh! and Yu Yu Hakusho and, like, all my favorites. So I ended up binge reading all of One Piece after, like, eight volumes of, like, me ignoring it. And it honestly doesn't surprise me that One Piece was so popular. Like, Yeah. Um, did it establish in the Shonen Jump 
manga how Luffy got his scar really early on. Yes, it actually showed it very, very early in the manga. This is something a lot of people get wrong. Because I know everyone was, like, on the anime. It didn't show it until, like, way later. Yeah, it only recently showed the flashback of how he got in the anime, and that's because Japan actually has very weird censorship laws. Uh, You can't show face mutilation on television. Like, that was, like, a really big no-no. So... Uh, he actually carved the scar into his face himself mm-hmm. because he wanted to prove to Shanks that he was tough. He's like, look at me, I'm tough, let me be a pirate. Yeah, and he cut his own face open. Yeah. Uh, it was the same thing when Whitebeard had his face blown off during his like famous death scene. Uh, they censored the hell out of that in the end. Oh, yeah. The manga was definitely far more graphic about that. And that's the funny thing, is that comics actually avoid a lot of censorship laws in Japan, where animation does not. Yeah. So, uh, very similar to how Yu-Gi-Oh! was censored here. We didn't get the full thing until we read Shonen Jump, and then four kids went after One Piece 2 with the famous lollipop. Uh, yeah. The only thing four kids did right by Shonen Jump was that they had the best actor who played Zoro. Absolutely. Zoro's voice in the four kids was top tier. Fantastic actor. Shit writing. They made him cluck like a chicken for no reason. Yeah. Like, just that, that fucking lollipop. Like, <laughs> the, the most distinct, like... The line I remember most from that is, like, Luffy's just sitting at the top of the ship, and Zoro's doing his... He's taking care of his katana. Yeah. You know, because censorship by four kids, they decided to, instead of doing the actual, you know, katana maintenance routine, mm-hmm. he's just, like, tapping his sword with a lollipop. Yeah. You know, and, and Luffy's like, what are you doing there, Zoro? And he's like, I can't remember what he said, and... It's like, I'm, I'm hitting Sanji's lollipop or some stupid yeah, shit. Yeah, so... Uh, it's like, oh my god, really? That's so bad. Gotta love those jelly-filled donuts. <laughs> <laughs> the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, thank god Funimation is handling... One Piece now? One Piece now. Oh, absolutely. I don't think four kids could have gotten very far, though. Like, there's only so much you could censor. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! got more tame as it went on. Because then they were just like, oh shit, we could sell toys based off this series. Instead of making it about death and mutilation, we could just make it about capitalism. (laughs) Woohoo, money! Yeah, the late Yu-Gi-Oh! manga was very much like the late Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. (laughs) Card games on motorcycles. But... (laughs) Uh, There was also a lot of censorship surrounding Yu Yu Hakusho and DBZ as well. And it was through the publication of Shonen Jump that Funimation realized that they could actually make a profit off of releasing the uncensored versions of both franchises. Because at the time, they were both released on Toonami, and while that's not insane levels of censorship, it was still very tame compared to the uncensored versions. But the animes themselves were also a bit censored. Like, for example, Yusuke used to smoke in the original. For a middle schooler? Yeah. Yeah. And they had to remove that because they couldn't have children smoking. And instead they had Genkai smoke. Which was weird. Yeah. (laughs) Because she only smoked once and it was for a plot convenience. She's like, man, I really need a cigarette. 
for no reason other than there needs to be a cigarette in this scene. Like, <laughs> <laughs> for reals. It made more sense when Yusuke smoked, but... <laughs> Yeah, so there was... Like, I wouldn't even mind it if it was, like, Genkai smoked habitually. Yeah. You know, like, like, but no, it was just the one time. Like, ooh, okay, I'm done with this cigarette. Throw it out into the darkness. Throw it at the child, because that's, that's less troubling than a child smoking. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. I hate children. I'm just going to put out this burnt cigarette on your face. <laughs> no, that was Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> oh I, I get those mixed up yeah <laughs> so yeah the monthly shonen jump releases here in the u.s influenced a lot of how the anime industry worked here in america because they realized we didn't want censorship we didn't want anime to be marketed as a thing for kids we wanted anime to be a thing that older teens and adults could enjoy and I mean, it probably would have got there on its own eventually, but Shonen Jump definitely escalated that process. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the reason why the original Naruto anime kind of bombed until it was finally re-released on Adult Swim, where it got proper treatment, and instead of people running around going, Believe it! Uh, we actually got a proper dub, and it gained a lot of traction. Almost overnight, I remember those damn headbands selling a hot topic. Uh, I am not entirely ashamed to say that I had those damn headbands. I am not ashamed to say that I had those damn headbands before they made their way to the West. I also (laughs) had one before they made their way to the West. I think my friend in high school, Cammie, ended up ordering a whole box of them from Japan. And... Uh, I'm not going to say that we weren't wearing them in our high school yearbook photos, but <laughs> we were probably wearing them in our high school yearbook photos. Only for the theater photos, though, not in our official photos. I'd, I'd be that kid who would do the whole Naruto photo thing where he's got like the whole face me- makeup and, and he's doing the pose in front of the camera. <laughs> Yeah, our official photos were nice looking, but theater club, their teacher's just like, I don't give a shit what you guys do. So we wore Naruto headbands. And yeah, I mean, we all have to start somewhere. I'm running a uh, anime-themed podcast now, so you can't call me cringy. Because <laughs> I, mean, I already know. I mean, you did earlier say <laughs> something that was the weebiest shit it's you've ever true. said in your I life. I can't believe I topped me wearing a headband in a high school yearbook. <laughs> this is a momentous episode. It really is. <laughs> I feel like we're learning a lot about you today. It's true. Uh, you guys always learn a little bit about me every time. You guys also learned that I would be happier and love myself more if I had shoes that I liked. <laughs> But are they comfortable? Uh, they, the Horikawa ones actually look really comfortable. <laughs> the Yamabagiri ones look more like special occasion shoes, but... Okay. They're both really cute, so... That's fair. Yeah. So, back onto the subject of Shonen Jump. Uh, the top five, it's become kind of synonymous when it comes to Shonen titles, and... It kind of established what kind of company Shonen Jump would be in Japan... And that was one that is not necessarily one of good reflections. Um, Shonen Jump yeah, is kind of a double-edged sword. They've, they've 
kind of become, at least for the longest time, synonymous with long-running series. Yeah. And part of that was the success of their anime adaptations, but another part of that was the idea that if you had a successful series, especially one either in the top five or edging for a spot in the top five, it meant that it was a guaranteed weekly paycheck as long as you could keep up with the workload. And this meant that even if your series was established as one that shouldn't be running for a long time, it's kind of terrifying to give up that work position on an already successful franchise to take the risk of a new franchise, which may not Which do may as well. or may not be successful. Yeah, and probably one of the most famous cases of this is Fairy Tale, being a series that was really only supposed to run until the, uh, I believe it was the Edelus Tower, was supposed to be the final arc of the series. Either that or, like, the one where Lucy got kidnapped. I can't remember. Uh, but then ended up running for about eight or nine more arcs, which ended up being well over 400 extra chapters and ended up being a series that normally would have been a two-year run to over a decade run. And now that that final nail has already been laid in the coffin of fairy tale, it's sister series that released afterwards to keep that paycheck coming was not quite so successful and that's radiant which a lot of people just argue is a fairy tale clone at best and at worst it's just an uninteresting series that can't even compete with black clover uh yes and black clover being a naruto clone well it has a loyal fan base. It does have a loyal fan base. Black Clover is actually doing really well for itself, in spite of the fact that it hasn't generated a lot of Western hype. It does well enough in Shonen Jump that it is a regularly published series, and unlike Fairy Tale, it's intended on being something that can run for a long time. Which is why it's one of the few new series from Shonen Jump that has a regular weekly schedule for its anime adaptation as opposed to others which were seasonal anime. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the way that Shonen Jump titles are being handled has changed a lot. Namely well, with the dethroning of the top three. So so it, I also feel like you need to mention, you know, with um with like that guaranteed paycheck is uh because of business practice, mm-hmm. Shonen Jump would urge these successful titles to make more exactly they they would urge them to be like hey extend it out if you make money we make money exactly and then we get to keep making you money (laughs) yeah and and so it wasn't just you know the fear of oh wait i might not have food next week it's it's also that well my my boss is telling me i need to get this done yeah and there's two really really sad cases of Shonen Jump's effect on people's health and mentality. One being a bit more famous was one of the top five franchises that even potentially could have taken down the top two, which was DBZ and Naruto was sitting at number three at the time. Bleach, which I think sat comfortably in number four for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And it 
worked its way up very fast, even compared to its uh, competition. But Bleach was never intended on being something that ran for very long, and eventually it hit ridiculous levels of power ceilings that the writer just couldn't deal with anymore. Yeah, I think it was supposed to really only run and through the uh, Saving Rukia arc or something. Yeah. And then it, they just they extended it because Shonen Jump. Yeah, it went from the glory of the top four spots down to barely hanging on to the top five spot, down to, like, the bottom 12. Mm. And it took such a mental toll on the mangaka that I don't even think he's publishing anything anymore. Yeah. Um, Which is sad because... It is, it is sad, and... He was considered one of the top artists of his generation. Uh, especially when you you look at like the timeline of Bleach and it the quality dropped heavily. Oh, absolutely. Like I loved Bleach when it first started. I mm-hmm. was like this show is great. I love this. And then after so long it just it just there was too much filler. There was it just you it even... wasn't Good. You could even look at the manga and see that the art style had drastically lost quality as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, the manga no longer flowed with a lot of its, like, the key things that made it popular to begin with. And the mental health of it was just too much. Yu Yu Hakusho as well, the creator of that. During the final arc, a lot of people criticized that Yu Yu Hakusho ended far too abruptly. And that was because the creator actually suffered from a lot of health issues and was actually hospitalized during the uh, near the end of his manga run. And he mentioned that he was genuinely scared that he was going to die in the hospital and his series was going to remain unfinished. So he took the time to write an ending to Yu Yu Hakusho and then his health started to improve drastically. And he made a note, he's like, I will never put myself through that again. So while people bitch about the Hunter Hunter hiatus, the fact is, is that he's living a much happier life writing manga at his own pace. And that also reflects another famous writer who created the series D. Gray Man. And when D. Gray Man first came out, it was publishing so quickly and so popularly that it was actually competing with Full Metal Alchemist, which was part of a competitor, Shonen Jump, or Shonen Title, not Shonen Jump. But D. Gray Man was probably the only thing that could have competed with Fullmetal Alchemist at that time. Both series doing almost equally as good, and the mangaka doing absolutely fantastic, and she brought new light to the series, a much more darker tone than Shonen Jump was used to. And after a while, the pace of her series started to slow down drastically, where instead of creating new content, once a week, she started creating it once a month. So Shonen Jump actually moved her to one of their sister franchises, a magazine that was a monthly publisher, then moved her again to one that publishes three times a year. And now it's incredible if she releases a chapter a year. And... Just like Berserk. Yeah, famously, <laughs> uh, one of her most... A lot of people didn't care about how long it took for her to come out with new chapters because when she did, she was usually publishing like 30 pages, which isn't bad for the wait. But famously, a few months ago, she released a chapter that was only six pages long and didn't have nearly the enthusiasm or energy of any of her previous chapters and people felt robbed that... 
they had to wait so long for an update that barely felt like an update. Yeah. And she has become so depressed and is dealing with so many health issues, she has completely removed herself from social media. And she even got really aggressive at an anime studio that was going to re do a readaptation of one of her series when they published a promotional art featuring two of the main male characters in a position that made them look like lovers. And she was extremely upset about this. She's like, ah, hell no. While she doesn't care about what fans ship or how fans treat her characters, she doesn't like the idea of an official anime studio creating romantic relationships between characters that are not canonically supposed to end up together. Yeah. So the anime was actually canceled before it even started. (laughs) And unfortunately, D. Greyman has suffered because of that, which is a shame because it's definitely one of the most beautiful series I've ever seen in my life. And I really would love to see D. Greyman get a proper anime adaptation because it's, it's so fantastic, you guys. Yeah, if only. Yeah, and we've already spent like half this episode just talking about Shonen Jump in the past, but I really want to talk about where Shonen Jump is right now. Yeah. Because I feel like it's important for you guys to know where Shonen Jump has come from for all these years, though, and why they went from being the top dogs in Shonen franchises to kind of being a little bit more disappointing and fans basically leaning away from them in favor of more seasonal stuff. And a lot of that really started to change with the release of My Hero Academia, which famously took the number three spot from Naruto. Yeah, um, so after Naruto had finished publishing, in comes uh, My Hero. Yeah, and there was this great like little manga art that the creator of Naruto made, kind of ceremoniously passing on the title to Deku. Yeah, um, I'm sure everyone's seen it, but yeah. it's, it's got, like, uh, who is it? It's, like, Goku, Naruto, and, like, whatever, like, the, the main characters of the top three, and, yeah. you know, the ones, like, oh, here, you time time for you to carry the torch, and, like, hands it off to Deku. Yeah, and then Luffy's just like, I'll be right behind you soon, or something like that, yeah. to Naruto, and... It's really sweet, and it's really touching, and it is a reminder that One Piece will someday end. Uh, So, that being said, I believe the mangaka for One Piece has said the ending is within sight. Yeah. It's within the next decade. (laughs) That's kind of terrifying. That's terrifying, (laughs) thinking that within the decade is within sight. Yeah, uh, considering that it started in 2005, which was a decade and a half ago, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Basically, it'll be running for 25 years. Yeah, and that brings us to how, like, My Hero Academia absolutely changed the game for Shonen Jump titles. Namely, the creator made a very strong stance when the series made it into the top three that he would not fall into the Shonen Jump trap of my series is going to continue until I bleed it dry. He's not going to make the same mistake as Bleach or any of the other titles. I think One Piece is really the only one that could get away with that level of length and dedication. And 
Even that mangaka has been in the hospital more than once due to health issues. Way more than once. But he's also created this. Like, it's it's kind of his love child, to it be is. honest. He can't he, imagine not creating it. So, so I he, think he will retire when One Piece is done. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and he'll retire comfortably when One Piece is done. But but like I was saying, like he's he's created this series that can go on for that long. Like, yeah. he's... He's got this huge world to it, and and this so much background to you know, and and each island feels like a genuine arc. Like you leave an island, that island is gone. You don't have to think about that in continuity with the next island. Yeah, like we just left an island that was lit on fire. That was fun. Now we're moving to an island that's made of snow, and you don't need to worry about the fire island anymore. Hey, you know it'd be cool. We took our ship to space. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not quite space, obviously, but like they we're did going go clear to the up in the air. Yeah, they they were in the upper <laughs> stratosphere, so that was pretty yeah. close. Well, Nami was. The others weren't. Yes. Yeah, so My Hero Aka changed the game, though, with that, where when the anime had hit that really high peak of, like, everybody wants more of this, the mangaka came out uh, and said that the manga was at the current halfway point. Meaning that he did have an ending in mind and that we were a little bit past halfway there. Yeah. And he established that in the very first episode by telling us that this entire series is one long flashback. And at the same time, he does leave himself open to where if he really does need to keep doing this to feed himself, he could probably Baruto it and do a spinoff series or... could Boruto... Yeah. Yeah. But really, as far as... I mean, as... It, it is a world that's crafted where you could easily do that. Like, yeah. Like, do a spin-off series of, even if you just wanted to do, do Lemillion. Yeah, You know, exactly. like, I think that could do a good spin-off series. <clears throat> yeah, he doesn't have to fear, is the next series he creates going to be as popular because I think even long after My Hero Academia ends, he'll still have a pretty comfortable income with what he's created. And he could expand on it. But as far as Deku's story goes, he already knows where it's heading. Yeah. And that was a unique thing for Shonen Jump. I even remember mentioning when I first got into My Hero Academia that my fear was that this was going to be another fairy tale where I got highly invested in the story, and then it just evolved to main female character loses her clothes again. How did that happen? <laughs> oh my god, that acid only affects clothing. What? <laughs> We're gonna have a whole fight in a bathtub. That's a real thing that happened in Fairy Tale. They had a whole bath or fight in the bathtub. Yeah. Yeah. That's Fairy Tale was garbage. <laughs> It was great in the beginning. Yeah, and then it became garbage. And then, it, yeah. The main Lucy lost her clothes so many times that even Natsu was just like, I've seen you naked so many times, it's lost all appeal. And I'm like, that's the, how the fan base feels right now. Uh, I would also like to point out that Fairy Tale might have been one of the first series that really pushed the boundaries of Echi being a common trope in anime. Up to that point, Echi was kind of its own, like... If you want porn, but not real porn. Yeah, this, so, fairy tale was like, oh, look, this is... It really set the bar this, for this, mainstream mechi. This this is a fighting anime, but also panty shot. Yeah, every single girl had the exact same body. Um, so, 
There was one that came out before that that was the same. Iki Tosen. It was like fighting anime, but also, look, fan service. Yeah, and fan services existed for a long time. I mean, even One Piece has a lot of fan service in it, but I I really think Fairy Tale was the first one that was like, this is mainstream light core porn. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like it's porn without the actual sex. But yeah, anyway, moving on to My Hero Academia. Uh, this series was not only a game changer in the fact that it had a designated length, but it was also one of the first Shonen Jump titles that put its foot down when it came to filler arcs, which was an absolutely fantastic idea. Uh, while other shows either had to rely on filler arcs or put their show on long hiatus in order for the manga cause to get ahead, uh, My Hero Academia is like, why don't we just make this a seasonal anime? Yeah, let's just... Bring this out every... Like, once a year. Every winter, or every fall. It was every fall season, yeah. But, yeah. And it's done that for four years, and a lot of people were really worried about season four being like, oh, no, the manga doesn't have that much content left. What are they going to do for season four? And the manga was like, well, it's going to work. Like, we're only doing 12 episodes for season four, so it's not that big of a deal, you guys. (laughs) Like, calm down, people. Like, we will catch up. And... Yeah, it definitely changed the game in, like, in terms of how can we release Shonen Jump titles. And suddenly anime studios were like, this works. We don't have to do what One Piece does. We don't have to try to stretch out one chapter into one episode. We could do really well-paced episodes. We can do a well-paced series, air it for one season, and then wait until everything catches up yeah and that not only takes pressure off the manga for situations where they are hospitalized or stuff happens family emergencies life hits them and they can't write their manga for a few weeks or even a few months the anime takes the anime only coming out once a year takes a lot of pressure off of that but at the same time it means that we can do like two or three chapters per episode we can create the story we want to create. We could focus on making the animation beautiful. We can budget making this the best quality anime that we can make. And that brought us to 2019, which was the year of the new generation of Shonen Jump. So many uh, Shonen Jump titles. I believe the subscription count for Westerners subscribing to the online version of Shonen Jump absolutely spiked this year mm-hmm. uh and it started with a series that was a little bit unexpected because i remember thinking that this series wasn't gonna have as big of an impact and i thought it was even gonna be a bit niche and that was the promised neverland yeah i subscribed crazy. to shonen jump for this series because this series is fantastic and i could not wait to read the manga you're just like oh yes give me more i had to I could not sit around waiting to see what happened to those kids. And this was kind of an interesting one because this was the first time since D. Greyman that Shonen Jump really had a successful horror franchise. Mm, you could kind of include Death Note. Yeah, Death Note came out around the same time as uh, D. Greyman. And that one was part of its monthly yeah. subscription. That one wasn't the weekly Shonen Jump. Fair. Yeah, so Weekly Shonen Jump's release of 
Promised Neverland was interesting because the manga up to that point had only been doing so-so. It had made its way to the top ten, but was still struggling to compete with things like Haikyuu and obviously the top five. Haikyuu has never made it past the top six, even at its peak, but most people assume it won't because it's a sports anime. But the anime release of Promised Neverland saw manga purchases of it spike rapidly. People either buying the full graphic novels on Amazon or in local bookstores, and people subscribing to the weekly Shonen Jump so they could read it digitally. Mm-hmm. And I mean that that kind of happens with every big show that comes out. Yeah, but this was a big thing for Shonen Jump in general, and I remember us talking about it like, "Wow, Shonen Jump actually released a really decent." Seasonal anime that's not My Hero Academia. I bet we're never going to see that again. (laughs) (laughs) What came next? Uh, The next one was... That was spring season? Yes. So that was Demon Slayer. Yes. (laughs) Which, again, was a series that a lot of people were like, if you want to watch something really sad... Go watch this new Demon Slayer show. It's done by Ufa Table. It's going to be really pretty. Uh, it's going to be heartbreaking, though, so go into it with a box of tissues. And I thought this was going to be another niche series. I thought, like, man, I'm, like, the only person that likes anime that makes me cry. Not a lot of people are going to be watching like, man, this. man, this is really good. Why aren't more people watching this? Oh, yeah, because it makes them cry. Yeah, and the first season, or the first 12 episodes of it, you and I were invested very heavily, but uh, not a lot of other people got quite into it until the summer season when it absolutely exploded. Oh yeah, like (laughs) it blew up. Um, What was the other one that was running alongside Demon Slayer in the spring that it was like more people were focused on? Uh, that was that Rising might, of the Shield. Hero. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, it wasn't a Shonen Jump title. No, no. Yeah. I was, I was just wondering. Like, it seemed as soon as all the focus came off that one, it then went to Demon Slayer. Yeah, Demon Slayer. Once the action actually picked up in Demon Slayer, and it was no longer about learning how to be a swordsman, but now being a swordsman, and then the ridiculous fight with uh, Rui. Everybody was like, holy shit, have you guys seen this anime? And you and I were just like, yes, we yes, have. We've been telling we you about it. We did two episodes about it already. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, so. Get on our level, scrubs. And well, most of you good. have probably seen this clickbait article going around because it seems like it goes out every, like, once a month since Demon Slayer became popular. But that is articles that usually read, uh... Demon Slayer sold more copies of its manga than One Piece. Or is Demon Slayer going to take the number one spot from One Piece? Yeah. I will tell you guys, these are clickbait. I will save you guys a damn click. These are clickbait. (laughs) So much like My Hero Academia. So the answer to those is like, the answer to Demon Slayer sold more than One Piece is... Well, technically. Yes. Um, (laughs) So let me establish what I mean by this. So much like My Hero Academia, the creator of Demon Slayer has established that the series is coming to an end and that the end is in sight and that the arc they're currently on is going to be one of the final arcs. Same with The Promised Neverland. It's currently in its final arc. 
And similar to The Promised Neverland, as soon as Demon Slayer blew up, manga sales also blew up. People wanted to read the manga from the very beginning and compare it to the anime. So they went out and bought every single copy on Amazon or in their local bookstores, or they subscribed to the Weekly Shonen Jump so that way they could read it. And the nice thing about and reading those things digitally is Shonen Jump can see the analytics of who is reading what titles as opposed to having to rely on surveys, which can be a little bit iffy. Yeah. And they still do the surveys as well, and most people who are doing the surveys for the first time are going to mention the hottest thing they're reading, which is Demon Slayer. And most of these people coming to Shonen Jump for the first time aren't going to read over a thousand chapters of One Piece. You mean so. <laughs> you don't have a thousand chapter extra spending time? Right, exactly. That would kill your eyes. So Demon uh, Slayer's... Like, like two nights, you're good. <laughs> so of course Demon Slayer's sales are going to be better than so, One Piece's so right it, now. So it got... Yeah, the, so Demon Slayer's sales spiked yeah. really fast because it it brought in a lot of new people. Whereas One Piece's sales have been steady because yeah, they plateau because it's, it's from loyal fans. It's from loyal fans, and and that's it. Yeah, I'm. I mean, there might be a few new people coming in, but for the most part, it's loyal fans. Yeah. Um, so so you get the plateau from One Piece, and all of a sudden a spike from Demon Slayer, and it's just you get that of, cross of, of course, section. Of course, the math is there that they're gonna have more sales and and like to specify it's also more sales for the month not more sales overall yeah uh i believe that one piece is still sitting comfortably at over a hundred billion and so for the month we have demon slayer maybe hitting like a million yeah and one piece is like yeah that's cute so and this isn't to say we think one series is better than the other by any means, but I think that where, where One Piece is right now, it has to be wrapped up for at least 10 years before anything can dethrone it. It's not going to be dethroned at the same rate as Naruto, because you could easily compare the quality of My Hero Academia to the quality of Naruto, where One Piece is just so goddamn massive. <laughs> The only thing that's going to dethrone One Piece is another One Piece. Yeah. And I don't see and Demon I, Slayer being the next One Piece. I I don't see any uh, series becoming the next One Piece, at yeah. least not anytime soon. And part of that is because of the very seasonal anime culture that has overthrown i think the now. closest thing we've ever seen to anything being like one piece where you could just ditch a previous arc and move on to the next and not worry about that continuity and keep everything going forever and ever is jojo's and that's not even part of the shonen jump franchise anymore so there's really nothing to compete with one piece and like i said i think the only thing that can dethrone it is something that the next madman who comes along, who is apparently immortal, who can compete with that level. And I, JoJo's isn't even running weekly anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, Araki is literally a god, but even he's not Oda. <laughs> uh, damn you, Oda. <laughs> so if anybody 
is being petty on your Facebook and being like, <laughs> One Piece is never gonna be dethroned. Demon Slayer could suck a dick. Or people saying like, yeah, fucking take down One Piece. Demon Slayer is the best thing ever and I hope that it kicks their ass. Just no, it's like, just clickbait. It's, it's just stupid. It's, just, it's creating drama for no reason. Like, like, honestly, guys, just enjoy what you want. Right? Like <laughs> you what know? you like. like. I mean, I like both. I do like Granted, both. Granted, I am not anywhere near caught up with one piece Same. i hear the latest arc from the like anime it. was the best arc that was where they were on the samurai yeah island which that's was... that's what i hear is everyone's raving about the newest arc yeah and it looks fantastic and i've seen a lot of the animation from it and i i think it's incredible actually i really kind of want to get back into one piece but will i ever find the time for reals <laughs> Especially with this seasonal anime uh, setting. Yeah. And then that brings us to the next major Shonen Jump phenomenon that happened alongside the success of Demon Slayer and is now currently kind of making people say maybe we shouldn't have jumped the gun on what is the best Shonen Jump title of the year. And I think that's Dr. Stone. Which, of the three that we've mentioned, Dr. Stone was ranked the highest in the manga ratings. I think while Demon Slayer is incredible, its manga, and I've mentioned this before, feels a bit subpar. It feels like a passion project, but one that doesn't have nearly as much, I want to say experience, but put behind it. Because the creator is very new to the industry and really just wanted to create something they enjoyed as opposed to something that has a lot of detail put into it. The characters are very simple. The panels are pretty straightforward. And honestly, I think if it hadn't been for its anime adaptation, the manga would not have been very popular at all. Mm -hmm. Where Dr. Stone has a very experienced hentai artist behind it who <laughs> knows what they're <laughs> uh, doing. A hentai artist? Oh, most Scandalous. manga hentai artist. Well, I mean, that's a given. Yeah, just... a lot of manga call get their start in doujin or hentai. And Dr. Stone is no exception, and he's not afraid to remind people that he used to draw smut and porn. So, <laughs> I mean, that scene was absolutely a blowjob. I don't know what scene you're talking about. Everybody There's, knows what scene is, I'm talking there about. There is no way that that scene was a blowjob. <laughs> this is, this is uh, my... Family-friendly science show? <laughs> Never. Bill Nye with titties is what the show is. <laughs> but... If only they could get that wandering eye under control. Yeah, the women have, like, hammerhead shark faces, which is weird. It's okay, nobody's looking at their eyes. Fair. <laughs> they had to make the eyes so far apart so people wouldn't notice that the girls had eyes. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> like, I can't stare at her tits. I'm too focused on her weird face. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Dr. Stone might have been the biggest surprise for me. Because I think while the animation is not incredible, and it's even severely lacking in a lot of moments, it doesn't... I don't care. <laughs> like... And you guys know that I'm the animation nut in this podcast. I genuinely don't care about the animation in this show. It's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I definitely wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is. Yeah, I care about this show so much. I even made a Facebook post. I'm like, I don't think Dr. Stone is the best anime of the year. But god damn am I so invested in it. Yeah, um, so it's interesting because Dr. Stone is a Shonen Jump title. Mm-hmm. But Fire Force isn't, right? Yeah. And Fire Force feels like it would be, <laughs> doesn't it? It has that yeah. it has that Shonen Jump feel, but it's it's not. Yeah. Where, and a lot of people have been pointing this out either in their own videos, podcasts, or on Twitter. Doctor Stone doesn't really have exciting fights in it. It's a non-battle battle shonen where nobody cares about the fighting because that's not the point of the show. Mm-hmm. And you could also argue that The Promised Neverland is the same way. There's not really a lot of fights in The Promised Neverland. But I beg to differ because I read ahead in the manga and the next arc is absolutely a battle royale arc. Is, is it going to be a bloodbath? <laughs> that's putting it lightly. Uh, the, yes. The Goldie Pond arc of the Promised Neverland is probably the most beloved arc from the fan base. It's definitely going to be the arc that divides the fan base though, because a lot of people who read ahead in the manga were just like, man, I hate this. I wish it would go back to the, like the problem solving of the season one where the other half of the fan base is like, this is its peak. This is the best arc that the show or the series has. And I will tell you guys, it's basically hunger games. (laughs) that's hilarious and it's fantastic it makes hunger games look like a wuss the next arc goldie pond is the best arc if you don't care about it that's fine you can leave the fandom i'm not gonna blame you or get mad at you because what we saw in season one you will not see again it's kind of a shame because i think isabella was a stronger villain than the villain in arc two but emma's a much better character in arc two yeah so it's it's a trade-off, and I it's a good one. The villain in the latest arc is the best villain, though. <laughs> Dweeb. Dr. Stone did completely different from Promise Neverland, where Promise Neverland still had that suspense and that tension. And it even if they weren't actually having fights or battles, it still felt like the children were trying to fight for their lives constantly. Even if it was psychological mind games with Isabella. But Dr. Stone doesn't have that. We don't really see characters constantly trying to outwit or even outsmart each other. It really is more about what can we do with the resources we have to keep ourselves alive. And even though we're building up to this grand battle against Tsukasa, it doesn't really feel like we want to see a war. We just kind not, of... not really. I just kind of want to see the how they develop everything. Exactly. Like, we don't want to see Senku and Tsukasa go fisticuffs against each other. Uh, I want... Okay, I kind of want to see it, but I want to see Senku go up against Tsukasa, like, in a mecha. Just like... <laughs> That that's the battle I want to see. Okay. I don't even want to see that. I want to see Senku just do something arbitrarily stupid, and Sukasa have no idea how to deal with it. Like something like 
kind of like what they did with the spear, where they just took it apart. And they were just like, what are you going to do now that you don't have your weapon, dick? Uh, suck it. And he's just like, I'll burn your house down. Bye. <laughs> and that was more interesting to me than if it had actually been a full battle sword versus shield or sword versus spear. I, I kind of like the idea that the solution was the best way to win a fight is to de-arm your opponent. Yeah. As opposed to destroying them. And ultimately, it was nature that stopped him. He was stopped by the gas. And, yeah, Senku lied out of his ass. is like, we control this shit, yo! But that was, again, more interesting than if they'd actually fought. Yeah. And I want to see something like that in the fight against Tsukasa, where Senku's just like, you didn't do your homework, and that's why you lost. It's not because I built something stronger than you. It's because you didn't study you didn't work for any of the success that you have everything that you have your army your people your society i was the foundation of all of that it feels like it's really building up to that with the illusionist as well who was brought back by sukasa to be a loyal member of like his right hand like guard and even from the very beginning when he was first revived he mentions that he admired senku He's like, the first time he saw that date carved in the tree, he just thought, He's this like, guy's oh, a badass. Man, this guy counted for 3,000 years. Like, this guy's more what incredible the than the strongest man on the planet. Yeah. And that's what I want to see from Dr. Stone. And that's not something we've ever seen from a Shonen Jump title before. We've seen Demon Slayers. We've seen Puzzle Solvers. We've never seen edutainment we've also seen where former enemies have become allies yeah we've seen heroes we we haven't seen dr stone before yeah so it's it's a very nice change of pace i really liked what gigook had to say on twitter too where he's like for the first time ever i really wanted the tournament arc to end so i could get back to watching this guy build a light bulb <laughs> right <laughs> If you guys follow Gigook, you know that his obsession is tournament arcs. And the tournament arc of Dr. Stone was weak. I mean, we, we enjoyed the aftermath of the tournament more than we enjoyed the tournament. For reals. And Shonen Jump has the top two tournament arcs of history on their belt. The one being uh, Yu Yu Hakusho's famous Dark Tournament. I don't know if anybody has not heard of the Dark Tournament Please, elaborate. What is no. the Dark Tournament? I've never heard of we this. We will talk about the Dark Tournament one day. We'll have to dig into a whole episode of the Dark Tournament. Uh, the other one, which might be the first thing to make people go, what's the Dark Tournament? Was the school festival, or sports festival in My Hero Academia. And then, for me, I'm also going to include Nationals and Haikyuu, because... Because you're a Haikyuu ner nerd. It's so damn good! But also a Haikyuu nerd. It's so damn good! <laughs> and I'm not a Haikyuu nerd. I'm really awful at writing Haikyuu. <laughs> <laughs> but you enjoy them. I enjoy characters that enjoy them. <laughs> I love when a character is so obsessed with Haikyuu that they could just like make one off the top of their head and that's like their whole shtick 
whether they're really good and you're just like, holy shit, how do you do that? Or if they're really bad and you're just like, and oh you're god, just, you're please, just like, please never speak poetry. So, so, so they're like, they say the the haiku and you're like, counting in your head the <laughs> syllables. You're like, I guess that's a haiku. That's <laughs> like technically that was a haiku. Good job. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Please don't ever make poetry. So yeah, uh, Japanese people absolutely care about, or Japanese culture, not necessarily people really care about haikus. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like I really love the haiku scene in uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender because they present the whole thing like a rap battle, right? And that's probably one of the funniest things ever because like this is such a cultural important thing in Japan, and they're just turning it into like something that's more Western, which is rap. And I'm like, that's hilarious. I'd love that. That's great. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not really a haiku nerd, but I do love when characters are haiku nerds. Uh, but yeah, we are seeing another major shift in Shonen Jump titles. When we were kids, most Shonen Jump protagonists, with a few exceptions, were, I'm going to be the best at this, because that's my dream. Uh, I'm going to be the king of pirates. I'm going to be the next Hokage. I'm going to be the dueling champion. Believe it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of what we had growing up was this idea that if we could focus on one goal, then even the short-term term goals towards getting to that big goal are important. That while we could be like, okay, well, this arc of our life, we should try to do this. But eventually, I'm going to get to that. Yeah. And that was a really positive message. Like, Naruto did become Hokage. He had to deal with a lot of small things getting there. And he had to stray from that path a few times. But in the end, In, in the end, he got, he got, got there. And, and, and Luffy is working towards becoming the Pirate King. Yeah, even if he had to stop for two years. Yeah. To deal with the issue of his brother being dead. But he got back on the path eventually. Exactly. And it became kind of a bit of a trope. Like, everybody's like, oh, well, Shonen Jump only knows how to make series about characters that want to be the best at things. And any series that deviates from that usually doesn't have quite the Shonen Jump success. Like... D. Grayman's character, Alan, wasn't trying to be the best exorcist. He was just trying to solve the mystery of what his master wanted him to go do, but also trying to figure out what happened to his foster father. And becoming an exorcist just happened to fall in line with finding or accomplishing those goals. And that's more of what we're seeing now, and we're seeing this done successfully. Emma's not trying to be the smartest person in her she's, she's group. She's not. She's not trying to be uh, the the top. Whatever. Like. Yeah. She's just trying to protect her family. She just wants to make sure that she can win a war where nobody dies. Yeah. And that becomes a much more difficult goal when she realizes exactly what she's up against, which is really what Goldie Pond is all about. 
and is the reason why I say this series is definitely going to take a huge shift next month. Make sure you guys are bracing yourselves for it. Tune in, guys. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely be talking more about The Promised Neverland as it comes out, because I'm sure you're going to love Goldie Pond, honestly. Um, then we have Demon Slayer, where the main protagonist... And here's the funny thing. A lot of people say they've never seen a protagonist like Tanjiro. Edward Elric was the same way. A uh, protagonist whose younger sibling loses their true self and loses their entire family and thus has to go on an adventure to join a country-established organization that can teach him the skills to secretly revive that younger sibling back to their original self. Yeah. So, yeah, Full Metal Alchemist and Demon Slayer have the exact same premise, you guys. <laughs> Mind blown. Oh. <laughs> But what made Tanjiro such a unique character as well, Ed's greatest flaw was his temper and the fact that that was the thing that held him back. Ultimately, Ed can't be as good of an alchemist as his brother Alphonse because he doesn't quite have the calm nature for it or the mentality for it where Alphonse does. And they both, you know, fit, uh, they have what the other one lacks. Uh, Tanjiro is too naive and too sweet for the world that he's throwing himself into. He's not somebody that can just go out and kill cold, you know, in cold blood. Yeah, like all of the demons that he slays, he's 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 like, well, they were a person at one mm -hmm. time. Like I can't just kill them. Like yeah, yeah. they're a demon now, but they still have emotions. And this is really what distinguished Demon Slayer as being a unique series. I see a lot of people saying they don't see what the unique appeal of Demon Slayer is, and I tell them, I'm like, it's not the protagonists that make this series unique, because the protagonists have existed before. It's the antagonists that make the series unique. Uh, a lot of people claimed that My Hero Aka was pushing boundaries with characters like Stain and Toga being relatable villains, but... Huh, huh, huh. Sorry. If you think Toga's a relatable <laughs> villain, not. see a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> My but, personal opinion, but yeah. Yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, nobody's really quite as relatable as the characters in Demon Slayer. Even the ones that we don't get to know very well, like the one with the drums... We don't really get to experience much of his life as a human, and we don't even know why his writing was so important to him, or why he even took up the hobby of the drums in the first place. Kind of seemed like a weird deterrent from writing. But when we do see how much Tanjiro cares about not stepping on the pages, we feel that. We understand that how important that is to him. Yeah. And... Tanjiro might be one of the first characters ever to kill their enemy with kindness. Literally. Yes. I mean, the only villains we don't really get to know a lot about are, like, the swamp demons. Which is kind of a shame, because I thought they were interesting, and they were voiced by one of my favorite voice actors, but honestly, nobody cares about them. They, <laughs> they, they ate a cute girl, we want them to die. Yeah, so. pretty much. <laughs> and... That's kind of the shift we're taking, and I think My Hero Aka had a lot to do with that, too, where Deku, while he is trying to be the number one hero, he was also extremely sweet. 
and we just elevated that to the next level of characters who aren't trying to be the number one, but are also just very sweet. Uh, Emma also, I'd like to point out, the first major female Shonen Jump protagonist. Yeah, actually. Like we've, now, that, now that I think about it. <laughs> we've had Luffy, we've had Naruto, we've had Yugi, we've had Yusuke. We've had uh, Boruto. We've had Jojo's, <laughs> we've had Kenshin, we've had Deku, Tanjiro, uh, what, Asta, whatever his name is. Yeah, Ast- uh, Asta, I think. Natsu. Even if you argue that Lucy was the protagonist, Natsu really was the protagonist. <laughs> yeah, for reals. Uh... But yeah, Emma stands out because she's a girl. And weirdly enough, while she is pushing boundaries on like girls can do anything, girls can be badasses too, ultimately her character arc falls down to a more motherly role. She wants to protect everybody. She wants to prove what being a good leader of the family is. And she is kind of establishing herself as the mother of all of the cattle children. Yeah. And we're seeing a badassness to motherhood. Which is really cool. You you can be a mother and be a badass. Yeah, and who would have thought Shonen Jump would have been the franchise to teach us that? Right? Like, I would have never in a million years guessed we'd get a Shonen Jump title that teaches us moms are the most badass people you'll ever meet. Uh, I mean, I knew that before. But, like, it, it shows, like, like Shonen Jump bringing it to attention like that is kind of insane. Right? It's amazing is what it is. And then we have uh, Dr. Stone's protagonist, Senku, who is kind of the opposite of Tanjiro and Emma. He's not sweet. He's, he is an asshole. And he knows it? He proudly flaunts the fact that he's not a people person. He's very antisocial and even kind of talks down to his surrogate dad, who is dead, by the way. And that's fine, though. We still find him to be likable and relatable. Yeah. We still get a little bit teary-eyed when he does show kind of less robotic emotions. Even if he doesn't show them out loud. I am so invested in Dr. Stone. It's ridiculous. Uh, Right? Uh, Like I said, I never would have expected Dr. Stone to be as good as it is. I would have never expected any of the Shonen Jump titles this year to be as good as they are. And what makes all of them work really well is I think with the exception of Dr. Stone, all of them are nearing the end of their arcs. Which means that we might not get another demotion in the top three we're not gonna see somebody take down one piece but i think what we're gaining from this generation of shonen jump titles is something more important i i like seeing that mangaka are able to stand up against you know the their publishers be like no i'm not gonna extend this out yeah and like i said i think that might be something more important i think we're starting to see people not care as much about what is the top three. And the ranking system no longer holds as much value as it used to. Yeah. And I think a lot of publishers of manga 
have learned that even if they're not getting their weekly paycheck from Shonen Jump, many of them can return to self-publishing as well. It's a time when... Just, just go draw some smutty fan art <laughs> of your characters. Return to Pixie. <laughs> but I think even having a series as popular as Demon Slayer, the manga call for Demon Slayer, even if they don't get another great Shonen Jump title, they could probably write their own book and people would be like, this is the same guy who wrote Demon Slayer. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Same it's, with, it's true. Same with The Promised Neverland and same with Dr. Stone. Although I think Dr. Stone might actually have a decent formula that actually could live up to the Shonen Jump formula. I think the idea of trying to revive the entire planet might not be a One Piece level of lasting storyline, but it's definitely it, something that it can... could still last for quite a while. Yeah, unless we find the magic button that turns everybody back into a human. Yeah. And mind you, we are speeding up the process into civilization kind of at the same rate that you would in a game like Spore or Civilization. But I like the weight that it's going at. Yeah, absolutely. So I can't wait to see what the next decade of Shonen Jump titles gives us. And I'm glad to see we're already off to probably one of the best starts ever. I think this is going to be the most memorable Shonen Jump generation. Yeah. And I kind of hope that the top five or top three kind of is something that dissolves away. Yeah. um, Like, I think it would be kind of neat to still see some of those statistics. Mm -hmm. But I I would like to see it not just be dominated by the same three every year. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So that would be nice. Yeah. And it's also nice that we can have content creators that don't have to make a Baruto in order to still feed themselves. Yeah. I don't think anybody cared about Baruto until they did the time travel arc. Uh, so, admittedly, watching, like, seeing some of these clips from the time travel arc, I've been like, I kind of want to go and watch this time travel. Yeah, like, a lot of like, people like the time travel. Arc. Like, I'm not going to be going out and watching all of Boruto, but seeing this time travel arc, I'm going... It's a nostalgia thing. Do I want to watch this? Yeah, it's like crack. Yeah. They give you a little taste of it. Yeah, it really is uh, It's a nostalgia thing, because you grew up watching Naruto... And then you're like, okay, Burrito's never going to be as good. And they're like, but what if we brought you but Naruto? what if it was? <laughs> it's like, oh, Boruto is great. But it's not as good as Boruto's dad. <laughs> and they're like, but what if it was Boruto's dad? Somebody on Twitter was just like, could you imagine if they made like a uh, arc about Boruto's dad and what he had to go through growing up? And they were just like, God, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> For reals. <laughs> So yeah, the time travel arc's popular. I think it's hilarious. It's, it's uh, ridiculous. Maybe we'll like, find out what Itachi's been doing this whole time. Isn't he like selling fish or something? I'm not sure. <laughs> like they're just like, man, Itachi's death was really harsh, and he's like, yeah, it was. Too bad I'm back. Like, what are you gonna do with your life? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. Sell contacts or something. Be- Sell contacts be- to weebs. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what Itachi's been doing. He's all those, sh- what they're called, the red eye thing. Uh, 
the Sharingan. Sharingan. He's selling those contact uh, lenses. Maybe he opened up his own ninja school. I don't think he opened up his own ninja school. <laughs> How to murder your parents. How to murder your entire family. Except your brother. In three easy steps. <laughs> One, pick a family member that you're not going to kill. <laughs> it's a very important step. Two, kill everybody but that family member. Three. Get killed by that Run family. away from your village. <laughs> This is like the most emo lesson ever. Is keep that one family member alive so they can come back and murder you so that way you could deal with the weight of what you did. Yes. Only the sweet release of death can help you. It's alright because you'll come back. It's alright like because you'll be resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> right. You'll open up your own emo ninja school. So I'm looking and this one actually surprised me as a Shonen Jump title. Mm-hmm. We Never Learn, which is also airing right now. Boku Ben? I would have never in a million years guessed that was a Shonen Jump title. I never would have either, but like <laughs> I pull up my list and it's like, oh, look, this is a Shonen Jump title. Weekly Shonen Jump magazine starting February 2016. All right, well, this episode is canceled, you guys. I'm sorry. We wasted your time. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's what I do. I wait till the very end to get the whole episode canceled. <laughs> They'll have to listen to it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> that'll learn them make sure you guys are staying subscribed to us uh hopefully 2020 we will be bringing over our podcast to spotify so you guys can listen to us there uh we will give you guys more information when that actually starts to happen yes yes of course so uh any other major shonen jump titles that i yeah um not that i can think of i think we did a pretty uh pretty good list over there yeah uh i wasn't expecting to talk about the history for half the episode but like i said i think it was kind of important to establish why we think the current state is so important yeah um i'm just looking bo 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 god we don't need to talk about that series <laughs> i had forgotten it existed until now episode canceled oh fist of the north star yeah, Fist of the North Star was one of Shonen Jump's earliest series. And, and Gintama. Gintama's... Yes, Gintama. That was a big one. That was a big one. Gintama absolutely changed the face of Shonen Jump, not only by creating a series that really could go on as long as it wanted to, because anytime it started to feel dull or didn't really fit in the Shonen Jump franchise, it just kind of broke its own fourth wall and was like, by the way... It just... Yeah. Shonen series suck. <laughs> And this is why. And then it would parody every other series on the face of the planet. God, we need to sit down and marathon Gintama. Uh, it's a pretty long series. It's a pretty long series, but you know what? It's one of those that you don't really need to like watch from the beginning. You just kind of need to know where it began, and then you could just watch any episode. Yeah. Uh, I've seen clips of it online, and it just always ends up being some of the funniest shit I ever see. Like, there's just, like, one episode where, like, Hijikata's, like, really, really concerned about, like, his room or whatever. Because <laughs> he doesn't like people going at his room, and then he walks in, and they're, like, killing each other in his room. <laughs> there's blood everywhere. Yeah. And he's like, get the fuck out of my room! How did this happen? <laughs> 
And his obsession with mayonnaise. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> from my understanding, though, is Japanese people really fucking love mayonnaise. Yeah. Like, like a lot of people make fun of white people for loving mayonnaise, <laughs> but I think the Japanese culture takes the cake for loving mayonnaise. Oh, yeah, they put mayonnaise on everything. Yeah. They invented spicy mayo, and I appreciate that. I also appreciate that. It's like... <laughs> The white man's mayonnaise for not white man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like Gintama, Gintama knew how to do shonen jump properly. Yeah. Uh, God, there was a lot, especially when you look into like their sister publications as well. But I think that we hit all the important ones. I think so. Somebody out there is screaming that we didn't talk about Black Clover. We're not going to talk about Black Clover, We're not going to talk about Black Clover for two reasons. One, neither of us is watching it. And two, it's Black Clover. Yeah. Get over it, Stefan. Black Clover's not a thing. Uh, Black Clover has a loyal fan base. It does. That's all I can say about (laughs) Black Clover. And uh, the character's really good in Jump Force. Fair. Also, Hiei's not in Jump Force. Suck it. That's okay. <laughs> We've been over this. Yes. I just really want to suck the black frame, flame dragon, okay? <laughs> Why you gotta take that away from me? That has officially been recorded. Yes, it has. <laughs> That's on file now. <laughs> You're welcome. Also, add more characters to Jump Force that aren't My Hero Academia. They're just like, hey, look, DLC. Uh, add Hiei. Uh, no. Uh, we need... <laughs> Rude. As, as, as much fun as Hiei would be, uh, I think we do need some more of the newer titles. Uh, how funny would it be for Senku to be in there? Just That would be amusing. Sciencing shit. I don't know how they would do it, but I kind of want to see what they'd do. Uh, also, it would just be really cool to see Demon Slayer characters make it into Jump Force, especially because of how Jump Force is animated. Imagine that with, like, the water-breathing technique. Yeah. That'd be cool as shit. That would be cool. I I would like to see Zenitsu, but I don't know how they would make it work with the mechanic of the game. Because since he mostly just brings out all his badassness when he's asleep. But Inosuke would be fun as hell. Inosuke would be crazy (laughs) fun. So, yeah. Like, uh... Also, put D. Gray Man in Jump Force, you cowards. But anyway... We would actually have Lena Lee as a fighter would be the best thing ever because Jump Force has like two female characters in it. Three. I think they added one to the DLC too, so four, but Lena Lee would be so much fun. Her whole ability is basically just kicking people. Yeah. Because she has like those boots that just make her like, she could jump on air and shit, kind of like Sanji. She would be cool as fuck. She'd be way cooler than any of the boys in D. Gray Man, honestly. Fair, yeah. Although Alan would be really cool too because he would have the whole transform thing like we see with the other protagonists. But Lena Lee transforms too. She goes from the twin tails to the long hair to the short hair. Plus, removed clothes on another girl. <laughs> Come on, guys. She. Make I, it happen. I think she's a minor. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. And her uniform changes as she goes to transform. She does, like, uh, her second form, though, she does have, like, basically no clothes. Like, she has... The full jacket gets destroyed in the fight, 
And then she has, like, the chest wraps and then, like, the short just, shorts. Just, just like, every minor in anime. Yeah. It, it was still fairly modest, though. Like, for clothes being removed, it wasn't, like, a Lucy situation where it was just tits out. It was actually, like, it looked like she was battle damaged. So, All right. I think that would be appropriate. Okay. She's a badass. Put Lanely in Jump Force, you cowards. That's all I have to say. I'd even be okay with, like, if they did Erza. Erza Scarlet. Erza would be cool, too. Would, yeah. That would be a... I think she would do pretty well in, in Jump Force. <laughs> he finally defeated the cat. The now, he's, now he's just playing with it. <laughs> All uh, right. So on that note, I think we can finish this episode. Yeah, let's finish this episode. Uh, we have a couple back-to-back episodes for you guys. And then we're taking a break for the holiday season. So, Woo. Uh, so we will be recording those back to back naturally. So hopefully we won't actually go on a hiatus. If we do, it'll be the week of New Year. But I don't plan on going on hiatus. Yeah. So just know that we won't know until that week. So if if we are missing a week, this is your warning now. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.